Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, is DJ Mark. Hey, hey. And our guy, Kid Presentable, is here, too. Hey, everybody. You know, guys, uh, last week we had our uh, unpaid uh, shout-out to uh, Trader Joe's. Yes. I'd, like to, I'd like to start this week with an uh, unendorsed shout-out to the Habit Burger and Grill. I enjoyed oh. myself a nice uh, chicken club before we started this show. So, uh... The obvious elephant in the room. You blacklisted them for a while, right? I remember when we we used to go to have it a lot, and they fucked up one of your burgers, and you're like, "Yeah, not anymore." Um, when it comes to sandwiches, I have a very simple rule. It's called no mayonnaise. And uh, when you order a sandwich four times in a row, you say no mayonnaise. You hear them yell back in that way that Habit Burger does to the grill. Hey, no mayonnaise, and it is slathered in a coat of mayonnaise when you get it. Uh, it kind of spurns you. You know, you, you, you get a, it leaves a literal bad taste in my mouth. So, probably, um, and probably what didn't help too, Steph. I know sometimes you would uh, replace it with ranch, so you're not you're not withdrawn with the white sauce. You take that big old bite, and you're like, "Oh no, that's this is garbage. This is garbage town now." And now you're a garbage sandwich for garbage people. I mean, I basically want a ranch and barbecue a chicken sandwich. It's a very delicious combo. Um, mayonnaise is not an acceptable substitute in that regard, but uh, they did they did well today. They finally got no mayonnaise. I decided to double check twice before leaving <laughs> the restaurant. But uh, yeah, they're back on the list. It's been enough yeah. time. I was gonna say, we might want to explain to the people about Habit Burger because Habit Burger is not something you get everywhere. While it is expanding, um, it's worth mentioning when you look at like Consumer Reports, because I'm a nerd like that, when they, I think it's Consumer Reports, where they say, what's the, your, uh, the favorite fast food burger in America? Number two is In-N-Out. Number one is Habit Burger. Oh. That one, also based in California, coming to you from Santa Barbara. So say what you will Are about they, all our hippies. We don't have to make a fucking burger in this They're not state. on East Coast, right? I think there's one in Florida there's now. I was talking to I was talking to our salesman. Uh, as I mentioned, Mark and I work together. We've mentioned the past. Uh, Michael, one of our salesmen, was telling me that they got a Habit Burger now near him. And it is fucking great, as he puts it. And, so, and where did Shake Shack? Because that's kind of like the, I think that's, that's like the East Coast. Yeah, that's, that's like the New East York. Coast equivalent to In and Out for me. Like everyone, I always hear people talk, and I've had Shake Shack, and I liked it a lot. That place on the fast food. Yeah, that's all up there. Five Guys is up there. Five Guys is up there if you need to take a nap for about seven hours and eat about six million fries. That's that's the place for that. But Habit Burger, folks, if you can go to it, it's kind of like really In and Out. They're making the same. They're making Smash Burgers, but you know the buns a little crusty, a little. Uh, a little more charred. It's nice. Menus varied a bit more. More yeah, like, you in, like, like a, a regular fast food place where like in and outs like we made this shit in the 20s. They didn't have chicken or bacon or any of that shit. And we haven't changed the menu since. I, I mean, yeah. Working, so. Basically, habit is what you think a California burger place should be. You're like, do you want a sourdough burger with bacon and avocado? That's yeah. the fucking place for you. They All right. Some avocado. Um, man, we just between Trader Joe's habit burger. Really painting a picture of upper middle class enjoyment. <laughs> I mean, to our listeners, essentially you get is you got some guys that like to eat, and we would love to be sponsored by places we like to eat at. Yeah, I'll I mean, boys, if you got any connections. Yeah, seriously. Um, 
All right, kids. Um, there was no UFC card this past week, or at least I don't think there was. And I'm gonna, you know, happily live in that reality. Um, there was a Bellator card. Um, I actually landed. Uh, I, I was in Vegas, and I got back in time, plenty of time to watch the entire Bellator card. But because I have respect for myself at this point, I didn't do that, and I just watched the main event. Um, so we'll talk about that, and talk about how I'm apparently a big stick in the mud. Um, we got some news this week, some of it good, some of it bad, both of it really related to the Dana White, um, what's the official name of this thing, guys? Dana White. Looking for mm. a contender? Something <laughs> like Dana Fights Fight Series. And I think there's a Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday, content Dana oh, White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, I think it's a lot of letters, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, some good news, some bad news out of that, depending on how you look at it, um, had a couple fights fall through, um, Notably, Gunnar Nelson versus whoever Gunnar Nelson was going to fight, which, as I don't remember who that was. Gunnar Nelson uh, was going to be on the Tuesday night fight. No, no, Gunnar Nelson was going to be back when we were in saying Gunnar when Gunnar Nelson should fight Darren Till. We were saying they threw Gunnar Nelson in the co-main event against somebody. Well, good thing they didn't put Gunnar Nelson in that fight because Gunnar Nelson's got a knee injury. So, gotcha. Okay, okay. Um, so there's no UFC card this coming weekend, from what I can tell. There is an LFA card. Which, I mean, this is the type of... Honestly, I used to watch this shit, man. I mean, Mike can attest to this. He's not here. Where I would HD watch stuff, I would right? watch whatever's on HDNet, like, because there wasn't 6 million UFC cards. And Saturday morning, me and Mike would watch it while we're eating breakfast. Yeah, a little scouting um, report. It looks like there's an Invicta card, though, on um, May 4th. That's this weekend. Headlined by Sarah Kaufman um, fighting Katarina Lanner for the Bantamweight title, which is vacant. Pearl cool. Gonzalez apparently is in Invicta. Didn't know that happened either. So, anyway, that's happening. Um, all right, let's talk about this, guys. Um, Fedor, Frank Mir. I don't think we made official picks. I think we all kind of thought Frank Mir probably wins, if I remember correctly. I don't. You don't I remember think... that I picked Fedor by knockout in the first round? Come on, Bobby. Come I think on. Mark. I think Mark did say this is going to take a minute, or it's going to be really bad, right, Mark? I think that was yeah. your assessment. I mean, my expectation was more or less the uh, Matt Matrione fight, like. Two punches will be thrown, one from each contender, and only one man would survive. We got a bit more than that. And actually, I mean, to be fair, the, what, like, minute of action we got was actually pretty fun. Like, they kind of went after it, and, you know, ultimately, Fader got in a sneaky little uh, left uppercut to finish the fight. But I, I was, you know, I was not bored in this fight. It was, you yeah. know, Frank went right after Fedor and got him in a little trouble early on. You know, uh, he kind of tripped him to the ground. Well, I guess Fedor kind of, like, Try to dodge a punch and fell to the ground. And Frank got on him for all of a second, did some punches. Fedor got a nice throw. Frank got right back up. And then the knockout happened. So, I mean, it was really eventful. They went out. Yeah. It, so, and it sounds it like it's, um, Fedor looked real fat. Um, I believe the words I used on Twitter was Fedor looked well fed. Which he's look, always man. been a little stocky, but I he I looked he I was, looked a little more rotund in this one. To be honest, I was just watching the highlights just now, and his like the stock photo they have when they're doing like Fedor versus Frank. He looked real fat in that one. He really he did not look. You very, know what? You know who looked pretty good? Honestly, Frank looked pretty looked good. good. Frank looked better than his last few UFC fights when he was full dad bod. I expected Frank to be the one who hasn't fought in a couple of years and showed up real chunky. Frank looked like he got in shape for this and just you know. Got hit in the face by a mean Russian. My question about Frank, what is his abdomen tattoo that makes it look like he drew abs on himself? <laughs> like, it's lined up, like, in a series of crosses to make it look like he just sharpied on some abs. 
But on a, on a close zoom in, it looked like it was text of some kind. So like it said something, but it really looked like a man who was drawing abs on his stomach. I think it might. Isn't Frank, Frank from? Isn't Frank like a Chilean or some sort of Latino or something? His name is Francisco. Right. His name Francisco. Right. It might be something. Because I think his dad has got his dad. He might be first generation or second generation. I think it might say some shit in Spanish. That might or something in Latin, maybe. I don't know. I'm just guessing at this point. Um, before I get into this, I just want to say I think Bellator is really missing it here with who they should be have doing commentary. And I don't think it should be Chael, and I don't think it should be Big John McCarthy. Not that either of them are particularly bad at it. I have been saying this for years. I fucking loved Frank Mir doing commentary in the WEC. I might be the only dude waving that flag. But before Frank threatened to kill Brock Lesnar and they took his job away from him, I thought Frank was really good at that because Frank speaks very well and he knows everything. Or at least he acts like he knows everything. Just my two cents. Um, so um, people who follow us on Twitter might notice that I was a bit of a little shit about this fight um, because the fight was starting and I just looked at it and I was just like, the fuck am I watching? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? What's the, what's the point of this? And for a minute fight, it was okay, but then it was over, and people were fucking hyped. And then, like, Chael cut and got in the ring and cut a heel promo that, Steph, you you and I probably watched, you know, fucking, you know, Ric Flair cut back in 1996. You know, something like, you know, he cribbed a bunch of lines, did his thing. And then people got real hyped about Frank, uh, Chael's shitty promo about him fighting Fedor. Yeah, but like the Undertaker, the man, the legend himself, Fedor no sold that shit. <laughs> I mean, Fedor got, yeah. got time for Chael Sonnen. I mean, you I, you brought up the Undertaker. I'm starting to think it's just that like people love Fedor so much that fuck it, man, Fedor got a knockout. Like it's like when I was watching WrestleMania and Undertaker's old ass came out and beat John Cena in three minutes, and people went fucking wild. And I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, Steph, you first. I mean, you're normally grumpy like me. Am I just being a dick about this? Like, should I be excited on any level? Well, I am a very grumpy young old man, but uh, I mean, it's just kind of, it always comes down to expectations, right? And it's where are we at with Bellator? I guess I'm not so grumpy about it is what do I see Bellator at this point besides the freak show second organization? Like, what else are they going to do? This, this tournament was wonky from the start where you had middleweights in it. You had light heavyweights in it. You barely had heavyweights in it. We kept joking about taking the field initially when, like, we they trotted this out. So, in that regard, I mean, it, it really. I, is I one still of those. got the field, man. I still got. The, they say Krokop and Roy Nelson. The winner of that fight's the alternate. That's your winner right there. That's the winner it's of the tournament. Very possible, you know. I, that's why I'm not too mad about it. Is I get why people are excited. Is a lot of MMA fans. We've known about Fedor a lot more than we probably seen. So it's kind of every time he shows up on U.S. soil, it's, it's still a bit of a occurrence. I mean, how much should you take away from it? Not much, really. It was short, but I don't know if you guys noticed. It sure looked like Fedor was sucking a lot of wind to me. Sure seemed like he was yeah. pretty glad it ended when it did because it seemed like he was breathing hard within that first 30 seconds. You know, I mean, Steph, I'm do you know, do you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you and me were there when and we were all there, actually. Mark was covering it for um, the radio station, the Sacramento radio station he worked for. Um, we were there when Fedor lost his first fight, you know, not by cut, his first fight against Verdum. You know how long ago that was? Six years ago? Nine fucking years. Nah. 2009. Kind of feels it. 2009. I mean, that's how say, long Fedor's been done. 
Mm-hmm. I will say a big reason I'm also not too upset is Bellator has kind of turned into what Mark and I have wanted for a while, and that's kind of the Legends League, right? We're just getting some old guys fighting each other, um, ex- you know, with the exception of kind of uh, Ryan Bader. And, and an argument can be made for Matt Mitrion might still have a little bit. I mean, they got they still got Rory. They got Rory. You know, they got Michael Chandler. They got they, a few outliers. They have one well, guy in every weight class. That's right? the Bellator problem. Bellator kind of doesn't know what they want to be right now. Um, and as long as it's old guy fighting old guy, I'm not mad at it. It's when Fedor fights like a young upstart, like that's when I kind of don't know what you guys are doing. But as long as these old legends kind of stay along with old legends, sure, why not? We never got their fights in the prime. Let's watch them sloppy in the current day. Yeah, they were really selling this thing, man. Like, Mark, they were just like, you know, legend versus legend, a fight that should have happened 10 years ago. And then they're like, Fedor, fighter of the decade for the 2000s. I'm like, I wouldn't bring that up. That shit ended eight years ago. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> Bob, you have to think about as a business, like, if you don't promote Fedor, hey man, I, I get spending it. I, millions on him, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, your opinion on the fight, but, like, I guess, I mean, yeah, man, people got hyped, so it worked, so. I mean, that's the thing is, like, I, I don't want Bellator to fail. I, I think what we all want is we want them to make different decisions that makes them more exciting for us, but this is what they're doing, right? They're doing this big tournament. Fedor is a big cornerstone of it, so I would have been more worried if he lost or if he win, if he won like he did, and no one cared, right? If no, I was like, ah, whatever. Fedor's still over the. So I mean, this is good for Bellator. This is good for Fedor, and it's good to get some, you know, electricity under their uh, organization. Because I think wasn't it just last week we were talking about how their ratings aren't doing well? They kind of need a little fire under their ass, and I think having Fedor win a fight in knockout, you know, in the first minute, and him advancing in this tournament build somewhat of a storyline that they can kind of capitalize on. So it's good. I mean, I think for us, we know like the ceiling of Fedor. He's not going to be, he's not going to do a campaign in Bellator and then jump to the UFC and become a title contender. Like that time has passed. But what we have is, you know, a tournament filled with lots of legends, like Steph said. And I think a lot of people that are interested in this fight are Fedor fans, because I think it's like, you know, we talked with our friend Max He's an old pride guy. I think there's lots of old MMA heads that still want to see, like like Stefan said, Fedor compete against guys that he's going to be competitive with. And I think that's why the chill fight is somewhat interesting because we know if Fedor is fighting against a dangerous striker, someone that has heavy hands or someone that's going to be able to get on top of him and just ground and pound him out, he's not going to do too well, right? We saw it with Bigfoot pounding him out. We saw Dan Henderson knock him out. So chill's a good archetype for a fight that, will be challenging for him, especially when you Steph noticed the, the stamina with Fedor. Um, but he doesn't have the tools that just are going to be really dangerous against him, right? He doesn't have heavy hands. He doesn't, Chael doesn't tend to finish a lot of fights. And usually when he does, I think more often than not, it's with submissions, which I think is going to be hard to get on Fedor. He's a very savvy submission fighter. And he's very good off his back. He's very good in his guard. So I think when this fight happens, just on paper, it is already kind of a compelling fight because it's an archetype that Fedor could potentially do very well against, but is also going to be able to challenge him. Because I think Chael will be able to take Fedor down. And I think it's going to be, does Fedor still have the jujitsu chops to catch Chael in an armbar? And it seems reasonable because if you remember Fedor, like, dude snaps armbars off his back in the guard like crazy. He's really fast at them. He's extremely skilled. And we've seen Chael get caught in submissions, right? Sometimes he has a mental lapse when he's on top of the dude. He thinks he's too safe. Two positions go by, and now he's getting choked out. He's getting triangled in the fifth round against Anderson Silva. He's getting, you know, uh, heel hooked uh, by Babalu. 
Um, so there, there's a precedence to see how Fedor can win this fight, and I think that's compelling, right? I think it's compelling that Fedor advances in this tournament, and the next fight we don't think he's just going to automatically lose. Because I thought this Frank Mir, I literally thought if Frank lands one good shot on the chin, it's going to be over. And Fedor was able to get that one first, and he's advancing, and his next opponent is someone that I think he could do well against. And I think it'd be very exciting to see Fedor probably fighting Ryan Bader, right? I know Bader has to get past I mean, look, Ryan I, I have the winner of that fight winning this. I mean, look, legitimately, if everything goes as planned, which is not the case ever, Ryan Bader should win this shit, right? Like, in general, Ryan Bader should win this tournament. I think he's the most talented, accomplished guy in the field. That's also has isn't over the hill, right? Cause Fedor's obviously accomplished a lot more, but at this his time has kind of passed. Bader is kind of in his prime and is doing really well. So I think, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think him and King Mo is going to be a, a tough fight. And who's on the other side of the bracket, Bob? Do you know? I'm trying to... Uh, didn't they already fight? Mitrion has advanced. I know. Yeah, so Mitrion's fighting the winner Mitrion. of Ryan. Ba and that, think... that's kind of a tough... Like, if Mitrion was fighting Fedor, not interested. We already saw it. He he flopped quick. But Wait, Mitrion... That wasn't, a, that, wasn't a, a... that wasn't a tournament fight? That was just for fun? The Mitrion-Fedor fight? Yeah. That was just a yeah. late main event. I think that was that was before the tournament came to to be. So I think it, it's an interesting field, right? You have one side, you have Fedor against Chael. He could win that fight. It's in the realm of possibility. On the other end, you have probably Ryan Bader or King Mo fighting Matt Mitrione. And Mitrione, you know, he's not the top tier heavyweight guy, but he's going to be a heavyweight fighting a light heavyweight. He's going to have that advantage. He's still a dangerous opponent. Man. Marcus, him versus King Mo. If it was King Mo, because King Mo can't cut weight anymore. So King Mo weighs 205 pounds. Like King Mo doesn't, King Mo can't cut weight anymore. He just weighs 205 pounds. Ryan Bader at least is like 220, 230. King Mo versus Matt Mitrione would be fun watch just based on the size. And, and, and King Mo has experience fighting heavyweight, right? Like this, this is a guy that that's been in that field before and has done well because he, he the advantages he had was speed. Does he still have that speed? He has to get past Ryan Bader. That's going to be really tough. I think. I don't see that happening. I think Bader is going to be a little sharper on the feet and be able to control the the, the wrestling, but. It's an, it's not it's a tournament that isn't featuring the best of the best. It's kind of featuring this spattering of different talent levels and such with different weight classes, but they've still have been able to position their pieces in an order that at this point it's still compelling. So I think that that that's a win for them so far. That's fair. Um all right, so something I talked about and we talk about it all the time, but I want to give a breakdown of what it takes for me to watch Bellator live. All right, so I pay for YouTube TV. A wonderful service that, quite frankly, I would hype up on this podcast all the time because I think, quite frankly, it's well worth it, especially if you even share it with one other person. Um, it's basically same as Sling TV, DirecTV now. It's an online cable package. Paramount Network is not part of that because it's Viacom, and Viacom somehow thinks we're going to go directly to them for everything. So instead, I'm like, all right, let me uh you let me use the direct TV login. My father's login. Okay, I'm like, all right. So I go to the Paramount Network website to put in the login. No. Paramount Network says I am in the West Coast. By the way, Stefan, what was the answer? What was preempting Bellator? Yeah, um we need to guess, right? Yeah, well, guess there, I'll be honest, uh before you you know, you guess like I don't know, I don't think we actually took official guesses as a star. You guys wanted to think of your picks. I'll go I'll go to guess right now. I kind of gave you the answer, but go for it. Ooh. Expendables 3. Mark? Uh, 
one of the Fast and the Furious, but I don't think that's it. I think you did mention Expendables or some other Indiana Jones. These are <laughs> that was my that second guess. That was my second guess was Indiana Jones. <laughs> and uh, specifically the Crystal Skull. It'd be that new one that everyone Yeah, exactly. That would be the one. classic one that people liked. <laughs> um, Phantom Menace. <laughs> no, they... <laughs> Uh, Bob was right. Is because uh, if you've shown, like I said, they weren't showing a marathon. So of course, if you show Expendable Twos five weeks ago, why wouldn't you finally wait a month later to show Expendables Three? It was Expendables Three. All right, not bad. There I we like go. Wait a go. So, run. so exactly. So I go to Bell to Paramount website, and I can't watch this fight live because it's like, oh, you're in San Francisco area, so you want to watch Expendables Three? It didn't say. I didn't cheat. But it said, like, I know I can't. We ran through this last time. So what I got to do? I got to go You might use my VPN, okay, to tell the Paramount Network I am in New York. So now this is the effort, man. I got to lie to them to say I'm in New York so I can watch a sporting event in 2018 live. And I'll say it again. If the network doesn't take them seriously and if they own the fucking promotion, why should I take them seriously? You know, like, this is a very simple thing. I, I I don't think they care to make this, like, a legitimate, like, it's not going to be a competitor ever. They don't care enough to do that. They don't they don't care if, like, if they found out tomorrow that instead of having fights, they had two clowns stand in the middle of the cage and make balloon animals, and that did 500,000 views. That would be what they air. I don't think they care. And I just want to, if if, don't make it hard for me to support your product. That's really all I'm asking at this point. I mean, the UFC does this shit all the time, especially if they sign this new TV deal. Don't make it more difficult for me to support your product when you're already struggling for viewership. I think that's fair. I think my counter argument was always that Bellator must be doing good enough that they they don't have to do it live. But I think what we were talking about last week is that they're not apparently doing that well. So I think my concern becomes... Do the higher up see that it's not doing as well and think like, okay, how can we make this product better? Or what I fear more is that they're just going to be like, this isn't doing good anymore. We still have Crystal Skull. Let's throw that back on, you know? I don't want them to get to the point where it's just like, we can just throw a movie. It won't do as good, but the amount of money we save, you know, cuts how much money we would have spent and, and, and all the logistics of that. So I, I hope it's the latter. I hope they see like, oh, you know, this thing isn't as popular as it once was. What are some easy things we could do to make it do better? And I think, I don't think it's, Bob, would it be that much difficult? They're, they are airing it live in New York. So why would it be a big issue to air it live on the West Coast? And everywhere? I don't know, man. Right? On Direct TV, it is live if you have satellite because. Because you can get the East Coast feed. Yeah, which. So, but it's that's like, like the, that's the, that's the, I don't get it. I think I don't understand what's the difficulty here. Of like, fucking put it, put Indiana Jones. It's, it's Saturday. Put Indiana Jones on or Expendables on at fucking four o'clock. I mean, I'm curious because I did happen to catch this on the delayed West Coast feed. Um, I was getting home that night from hanging out and, and like doing some things, and uh, the main event was going on on the West Coast at the I don't know. Is it a hot TV time of eleven thirty p.m. on a Saturday night? Because I feel like if you're the type who goes out, you're every the bars, the clubs, they're all still open at that time. You're out and you're about. If you're a homebody, you might be asleep by that time. Like, who is 11.30 p.m. on a Saturday night? Who is that good for? I don't See, understand. That, that's like, the thing, Stefan. I totally agree with you because... What are you getting at that time? I always thought the fact that, like, us being on the West Coast, like, for fight watching MMA, this shit's done at 10. 
of the UFC pay-per-views. You know what I mean? Like, pay-per-views done at 10. In theory, we could go out and do something. Because I remember being living in uh, when I lived in Syracuse with Mike, like, a decision had to be made sometimes. Or Mike's just like, all right, it's 12-15. Like, do I care? Do I want to go to a bar or am I going to watch the main event here? You know what I mean? Like, that... The, the advantage of the West Coast, like Ariel Hawani makes the joke that like this is the only sport where they seem to cater to the West Coast audience when with what time st- stuff starts. So it's I don't know I don't I don't get what they're doing I don't see how this is an advantage for us to watch at that late of time. You're totally right. Yeah, and I don't know if I thought it was just a sports in general thing because none because we're on the the later uh, time zone. We tend not to get stuff super late because there's still fans on the East Coast that may be interested in watching the Giants, the Warriors, the Sharks, whoever play their night games, which for us maybe start at like seven. So for them, it's 10. So it just seemed like in general, the East Coast is just probably a little bit more accustomed to having sporting events go on later in the evening just because they have to deal with West Coast times and stuff like that. And that that just makes the paradox yeah, even Ma- more weird. Marcus, right? Like, you're making a good point about like something that like I mean you know you're not the biggest force fan. Stefan will know what I'm talking about here, but there's something called the East Coast bias, which we always complain about as West Coast fans that the West Coast teams don't get as much attention. And after I lived on the East Coast, I got it because man, the Warrior game starts at 10:30. Fuck this, I'm going to sleep. Like <laughs> it's really late yeah, to cover to give it a, give it a proper attendant attention. And I think the UFC fights fall into that too. When you talk about you and Mike watching fights until 12, that sounds awful to me. Like. At 10, when we're at your place watching, like at 10, I'm like, I'm done. I'm tired. I want to go home, you know, and in and, and a younger time, that would be, a, you know, 10 o'clock is a good time to go on with your night, right? The bars are just starting to. I mean, every person on this podcast has fallen asleep for a minute in the middle of a UFC pay-per-view. Let's no, be honest. We've all we've all zoned out before. I've seen it. All right, come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Bobby. I think the last few times I've been over around 9 p.m., you look over at me like, you want me to make you some coffee, man? Like, <laughs> I struggle. <laughs> I will say uh, it's not totally relevant to this conversation, but I kind of get it at the same time. Is um, You guys ever been to Hawaii? Uh, I totally get why UFC is not putting a card in Hawaii. When I was there during football season, every game was done for the day, including the Sunday night football game, and it was 2 p.m. I was like, what the hell do I do with the rest of my day? I don't know what I do. with. It's like the rest of the country goes to sleep, and it is the, it's like a late lunch in Hawaii. Yeah. We're kind so, of spoiled. Uh, and we have I mean, the, the good time zone, right? Nothing's ever that know? late. At the worst, right? Like football starts early, sometimes like at 10 or something. But I don't mind. And like we talked about with UFC cards that are on the Europe time, like I don't mind an early wake up and watch a thing. You know, that's not – I'm cool with that. I don't like the, you know, going into – Past twelve is insanity, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, and and I mean, I just, I, my, my, honestly, my favorite is when they do a Fox card where the main card starts at five and it's four fights. That oh, is yeah. my favorite shit in the whole world. <laughs> Done by seven. That that is a good time. So I, I think we, we we do get a lot of luck being on the the West Coast. We don't have to deal with these crazy times. UFC even and even more to that point, UFC really has fucked over some international places like Australia and stuff where they're going to the event starting at like. 11 o'clock at night and they go until like five in the morning just so it's convenient for us it feels like we're being pampered to a little bit there was um to speak to that there was a uh, the wwe ran a show in saudi arabia this past friday this was us yeah week. yeah that was on a friday morning it aired a friday morning west i was in vegas so west coast time 9 a.m is when it started but people in the uk because i follow this youtube channel called cultaholic it's a bunch of wrestling fans in the uk 
they were happy as pigs and shit because they're like, oh my god, it starts at 5 p.m. for uh, for us instead of you know midnight. This is yeah. the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. Yeah, we should we should be so lucky. Everybody everybody wants this sports to start earlier. All right, I want everything to be in the middle of the day. That's what I want. I'm, maybe we're just old. That's yeah. it. I think just in retrospect, the Bellator thing is dumb. They should fix it. But even that being said, we're still pretty lucky that we get stuff in the timely manner that we do. Now, it's the tape delay. That That's really the thing. It's just like the fact that it has already happened and that if you're on Twitter, you can get spoiled of things is really shitty. A, a sporting event is meant to be witnessed live. So everyone can kind of share in the excitement in that moment, share that moment together. And it's really shitty, as anyone would know, getting any kind of spoiler on a movie, video game, or a sporting event when you're really excited for something. And maybe you want to go on social media just to see the fervor and to see other fans get excited and join that conversation to have it spoiled for you is really shitty. And having it tape delayed just makes that much more of a possibility where it shouldn't be. And and they need to fix it. They haven't fixed it. It doesn't seem like they're going to fix it. And it's just bad. And they should. Just, you know, Mark, after we just, you know, more or less, I've been attacking Bellator and his parent company for the last 25 minutes. Oh, yeah. Free tickets, please. I was gonna say, are you and me gonna go cover this Bellator uh, Ryan Bader versus King Mo fight in a couple in like a week I mean, and a half? Two weeks. We haven't done the the, the leg work and you know, the listeners don't know the amount of background checks. Let me tell let me tell you this, by the way. Back and forth. When we when we go cover Bellator, the only people working there are Mark and I and Dave Meltzer. Nobody else is doing a fucking thing. Mark's taking notes. I'm live tweeting. Dave Meltzer's taking notes. Everybody else is chilling. They yeah, used to it. allow uh, three of us, so uh, we've already been uh, reprimanded a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, I don't think we were making plans. No, you know what? There honestly, is a UFC card that night as well. It's a it's a really good one. As much as I want to support our guy, I feel Adam Piccolotti turns into anything. Mark, we really ran on the ground floor. I think, <laughs> He's on I think the... he lost one recently, though. I think he, he did. Subbed, yeah. So the the, the trains slowed down a little bit, but that card's not bad. We'll talk about it in in. Probably next week's show. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't get, I don't understand, I don't understand Paul Daly versus John Fitch. We've already talked about how that fight makes no sense. But it's gonna be boring. But at least both sides of the coin we're familiar with, and that's kind of a win in Bellator's eyes, right? Like if I know one guy in the fight, I'm like, that's pretty good. If I know both guys, I'm like, shit, you have a pretty star-studded event here. So I mean, you got those two. You got Czech Congo. You have the main event with Bader and King Mo, and I think it's Piccolotti. You know, rounding out the card. So, I mean, for a Bellator card, this is pretty money. You know, which I'm I mean, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we saw the guy who he's fighting fight also. Carrington Bank sounds a little bit familiar too. So, do some research. You can By the way, though, the, the Paul Daly John Fitch fight is weird because I feel well, these are your two options. One, you bore the shit out of everybody. John Fitch wins. Two, John Fitch gets knocked out in front of his family and friends. I mean, people probably don't care that much. They still cheer, but that's I'm, it's a weird booking. That's just it. Um. Let's talk about this Dana White thing real quickly. Uh, I don't know how much we need to break it down, but it looks like Nick Newell is going to the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. He's getting that shot. Which I kind of, even though we all recognize he's probably better, he deserves better than that, I'm kind of viewing it as like, let's hype up this show. Because it worked entirely for me. It made sense to me. I'm like, I don't know if they're trying to, or maybe they are testing the waters with having a guy who's a a congenital amputee. But I'm viewing it as more like Dana White wants to get this thing to like, to do something, and anybody who's on that show who comes out of it, it seems like they get behind anyway, so it's not not bad. I would have agreed with you more if the guys coming out of that haven't turned out to be killers and stars already. Like, if if 
the way I pictured that was going to be like, maybe we get a couple people that make it into the UFC. None of them really make a big splash. But from what I, and I haven't watched any of it, but just seeing the guys that they're getting out of that show and just seeing the quality that they're fighting at and the fights that they're putting on, I, I view that show in higher regard than I did previously when I first, you know, when they, when they first presented this, I thought it was kind of, especially with Dana White's dumb name on top of it. Oh, it just makes me sick. But what they've been able to produce out of it has been really quality. And Nick Newell, as we know, we've talked about, you know, multiple times is a quality fighter. And I know the chat that we were having was, Oh, Nick Newell's going to be on the show. He's going to smoke whoever they put in him. And I'm a little hesitant there just because of the, the, the amount of quality fighters that have gone through that. I would not be shocked if Nick Newell, who retired, how long ago did he retire, Bob? It was a couple years, right? He came back and fought, though. He fought after did he came he, back from retirement. Okay. He, he got a win in. He went in there good. and did his thing. Good, 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 good. Because I, I think, I feel like he might get challenged a little bit more than we might anticipate, just because of what we've seen guys come out of that. And I think now there's a reputation that, like, this show does really, it is a feeder into the UFC, right? It's not just that. You go on there and maybe, maybe not you get on. Like if you go on there and look good and, you know, pump your chest a little bit, they'll put you not just in the UFC, but on fucking main events of UFCs. It's really kind of a springboard. And I think Nick Newell's a guy that they, they could easily, if he show, if he looks good in this fight, gets a good finish, especially if, I mean, I, I don't want to look at Nick Newell and want to market him as kind of, I don't even want to say like a freak show or something. Marcus, we spent the last two months, you and me and Stefan, complaining that they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not we're, we're complaining that they're not exploiting the lesbian relationships in the yeah, main event that yeah. I've ever you. We're, 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 we're just talking about you got to sell some fucking tickets what, here, man. What, what I was ultimately getting at is that Nick Newell uses his handicap or however you want to describe his disability to his advantage in MMA in really interesting ways, getting a lot of interesting submissions, especially with heel hooks his um you know the way his arm is formed makes it very dangerous with heel hooks he can kind of just fit the heel right into the elbow and i think he's done it with uh chokes as well he utilizes his disability to his advantage and i think if he's able to showcase that in the fight i think that's that's really going to open people's eyes right i think it could be something that goes viral potentially i mean it hasn't already so i, I don't know if, if that's really true but I think he can really make waves, especially if he gets a big win here. So I'm excited. It, it, it potentially could be something really big for Nick. Um, I'm just wary to really get on the high horse because I could see them throwing him against a young upstart that is just maybe, you know, of a high caliber that just hasn't been found yet. I, I, I'll get on it. I think I think Nick Duel is going to bulldoze this guy. I'm on the I'm on the train. Do, do we know his opponent? And we've seen. No, nope, don't care. You don't know. I got You're Nick Newell doing anything. I got Nick Newell. All right, well, um, Stefan. I Stephon, like it I'm gonna the go. vehicle because, Bob, I know what you're about to segue to, but I think it'll – a point I want to make that I think will be a nice segue into who I know who you're going to mention next is, you know, we've heard Dana White, White want to say the UFC is like the NFL, right? He's made that comparison. And now is as great of a time to launch Nick Newell into the, you know, the public sphere because, I mean, we just came off of the NFL draft, and one of the big stories in the NFL draft was Shaquem Griffin at a UCF who doesn't have a hand. He's missing a hand outright. He was born with a congenital defect uh, similar to uh, Nick Newell. He posted some historically good combine numbers, and he's getting his chance. Um, I heard. I think, I, we, I think we brought him up. You actually brought him up when we were talking about Nick a few weeks ago. It's good to see both these guys getting their chance, huh? Yeah, and the thing is, like, people have all these worries about Nick Newell and the hand thing, but the, what I've noticed about all the coverage of Shaquem Griffin is it's been nothing but an inspiration story. 
football is a very violent sport. Granted, it's not quite the same as combat sports, but if you are lying about, if you think football is not a very violent sport, possibly the most violent sport we have, then you are fooling yourself. But um, I will say I've appreciated all the coverage about this kid has been positive. You know, he gets to play with his twin brother in Seattle, apparently. I didn't know he had a twin brother, let alone his twin brother was a Seahawk. But, um, you know, good for the both of them. I hope that kid does good things, you know. Uh, same thing for Newell. I I'd like to see these people prove a lot of doubters wrong. All right, Stefan, you knew it was coming. Um, Greg I mentioned Hardy. NFL. <laughs> Yeah, so Greg Hardy is also going to be on the NFL contender on the Dana White contender series. Greg Hardy, um, let me just try to give a summary of who he is. Greg Hardy was a fucking excellent defensive end in the NFL. Um, a goddamn super athlete. A defensive end in the NFL who's elite is a better athlete than pretty much everybody. I think that's a fair assessment. Okay, when it comes to pro sports in this country, all right? They are freaks of nature, and Greg Hardy was among the best. Greg Hardy had two seasons where he got over 10 sacks. One year, he got fucking 15 sacks. Greg Hardy, though, is mostly known for being um, arrested for assault um, of his ex-girlfriend. He threw her around, strangling her, threatened to kill her. He was found guilty of assault, um, got some bullshit probation. Then he appealed it, and then um, the victim, like many times will happen in domestic violence cases— will not appear in court for any number of reasons. Draw your own conclusions. Um, so the charges got dropped, and now it has been expunged from his record. Um, reliable information, quote-unquote, says that the two parties reached a civil settlement, which um, you, don't have to law, you don't have to go to law school to know that means someone got bought off. Exactly. Um, Greg Hardy can't get a job in the NFL. Greg Hardy is now 3-0 and as an amateur fighter in mixed martial arts. Um, three and zero with three knockouts. Uh, combined, it's taking him like two minutes to beat these people. He's twenty nine years old. If you took away the domestic violence thing, he would be a goddamn just blue chipper based on athleticism alone. I think, Steph. But we're doing this. He's going to be in the contender series. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I should really. I mean, what do you think? Let's go with. Let's go with that first. Um, two, my two thoughts on this are one, it's a little confusing to me. I don't know why you're doing this right now. Um, I believe it was Luke Thomas who made the point. You said three and oh, at the time, I understand he was two oh, an amateur. I don't see what the need to bring this guy in. He hasn't necessarily made a name for himself. He's not showing, you know, he's not proven to be a draw of any kind. So why are you, you know, in, in, in these Dana White terms, why are you getting into the Greg Hardy business? Um, I don't know what the clamor for this is. Is there someone out there saying, you guys got to pick up Greg Hardy? Or are you just, are you so desperate for heavyweights? Like, my second thing is a bit of fear because the history of people with domestic violence issues and MMA is a scary one. When you think of the war machines of the world, when you think of um, Grisby, huh? Josh Grisby. Grisby, yeah. Like when you combine the fighter mentality and domestic violence issues, it is scary, right? I you mean, know, you want to sprinkle a head trauma on top of that? Like, yeah. We we, we talk about the we we we're still investigating head trauma in football. It's a damn guaranteed thing in combat sports, you know. So the potential for a scarier violence is. It's one of those things. Let's say another incident happens. 
you can't play ignorant. You can't say, oh, we didn't know he was like this. We didn't know he was capable of this. He was always a good guy. Because you know going from the start, this history is there. It's a, again, it's like, so those things combined, a 2-0 amateur record, I don't know what, I don't see how this risk is worth the reward. I don't see I how, mean, I mean, unless you're just going by any attention is good attention, because I just see this getting negative media attention. So, uh, you know, if, if you just want people to be talking to you, regardless of the context, that, that seems short-sighted to me, though. Yeah, um, I think this is not, the fact that this is not a UFC fight gives a little bit of an out if he doesn't look good. Though I really, man, he's a freak of nature. Like, I don't want to, like, Stefan, he was great. Like, he's an excellent athlete, and he's only 29. I don't know why this needed to happen right now, also. And another thing is, I want to try to go little glass half full because he's trying to say, like, I saw some article where he's saying mixed martial arts is helping him channel his issues, which, then again, if football wasn't helping you, chan- helping you channel your issues, man, I don't, you weren't getting your violence fixed there. Um, Malki Kawa is his manager, which at least is not Ali. You know, um, I don't know what to say, man. I You want to give people like an opportunity to redeem themselves. But this dude wasn't even like, do you remember? He was like indignant about this thing. Like he was like kind of mocking it. Do you remember that shit? Like he was making really weird references to it when he would get interviewed after the fact about the domestic violence. I mean, I just got to say this guy can't get a job in football. Do you know what that says? about this man the raiders still exist guys just saying the raiders still exist there are multiple organizations who when a man commits his crime oh the cowboys are gonna sign him oh the raiders are gonna sign him like football has no consciousness they're the thing where you get four games for a domestic violence charge but you get a year for marijuana the nfl is the king of inconsistent irrational like punishments and verdicts and they don't want anything to do with this guy but Dana White wants to get into business with this guy. It's, it boggles the mind. I have not heard the sound logic for it. Um, it's it, it boggles the mind. I'm just perplexed by all of it. Um, all right, I want to move on. And I'm realizing this is going to be nice and fun because we didn't talk about this before the show. We forgot to come up with memoirs of a fight fan. But Uh-oh. I've come up with one on the fly here. And I have my pick. Though Mark's here going to tell me that hopefully we haven't talked about this already. Okay, I which got, is I got, a, I, got a, I got an envelope full of things. So this is this is which athlete do you wish MMA had gotten to? Okay, I don't think we've done that. Um, I got a pretty clear one that I think I'm kind of doing the easy one, easiest one out there. Say it again, sorry. So basically, if at any what athlete from another sport do you wish had went into MMA? Okay, I'm, I'm pivoting off of what we're talking about. As opposed to one we really wish hadn't. Um, mine is 1996 Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. And when I say Kurt Angle, I wish he'd gotten into it. I'm talking Kurt Angle in 1990, you know, 7, 98, 99, sometime like that. Um, not at the end when he tried to get in, when he had a Vicodin addiction and a broken neck and couldn't pass a drug test to save his life. Kurt Angle is one of the greatest American wrestlers this country's ever known. Um... He won a gold medal, Stefan, with a broken freaking neck. And 
while Brock Lesnar was a great amateur wrestler, Brock Lesnar, for people who know about something about wrestling, and I'm not saying I do, this is just me reading, Brock Lesnar essentially was a super freak athlete with a great double leg. Kurt Angle was an Olympic-level, technically sound master of the craft. And he's fast, and he can move, and I think Kurt Angle would have been... In a time where, like, we had, like, you know, those late 90s, early 2000s with, like, Matt Hughes and shit, if one of those guys was Kurt Angle beating the fuck out of people, I think he would have, we would be holding him in high regard in MMA because just of, just how quickly he picked stuff up to. I think he would have been great. I mean, that's my pick. Yeah, no, I think Um, think the timeline kind of fits where it is not. It's almost like you wish he won in 2000 or 2004 where there was more money in it because that's probably why he didn't do it. Yeah, probably. But it was just like that was the time it was starting to pick up. And that's the time where, like like you mentioned, uh, Mark Coleman, who was, I think, a U.S. alternate and Kerr and Dan Henderson. You had a lot of these high, uh, Dan Severn. You had a lot of high level wrestlers looking to pivot their careers after collegiate wrestling and, and your shot in the Olympics fades away. Right. Because there's just there is no wrestling league to make money at and a lot of people are like well i have this skill set how do i continue to utilize this to make a living and mma and particularly ufc at that time became something that was an avenue for these guys and i think like you said bob the money wasn't great and i remember from the smashing machine documentary when kerr got into it his friend told him like look you're gonna win a lot more than you lose but when you lose it's gonna be rough like you're gonna take a beating right this is a tough sport to get into and, you know, Kurt made probably the better decision. Honestly, you know, I think he could have maybe been really big in MMA. He probably, you know, in that time frame, probably would have migrated over to uh, Pride, I would imagine. You know, that's where a lot of the talent was going at that time. And he could have made decent money there. But I think he probably financially made out better in pro wrestling. Who knows the longevity of his of his life because he's had so many neck injuries. I mean... And he had the addiction as well, but that's not to say MMA would have been a cleaner, healthier sport for him because lots of these guys have, you know, not only drug addictions, which some of them do have, like Mark Kerr, we were just talking about his documentary, but, you know, injuries sustain or high frequency and you can do a lot of drama, uh, head trauma to yourself, but a very good choice, Bob. I think that was, that would have been a very interesting person to see what he would have been capable of because he was so talented, right, in, in the craft of wrestling. Stefan, do you have one picked out yet? Um, yeah, I do. I have a couple I would throw out for honorable mention, and I could probably make a more valid argument for them. I think they're a couple obvious ones. Um, are your Bruce Lee, uh, your Mike Tyson's? Um, but they've been in the UFC video game, so we can we've seen what they can do. They're, they're they're say, like, oh, they, they may be they mean, these reality. Based on the you. UFC video game, Mike Tyson got great kicks. He has and a great, that great dude can grapple. He can do double legs. Hey, look it. You get you get Mike mounted. He can get, he can get out from underneath you. you wouldn't We've already so. seen it. So I won't make the argument for them because they already know. Um, the argument I will make is because I think he is one of the greatest physical athletic specimens our country has ever produced. I've heard a million arguments of what it would be like if you plugged him into a different sport from his birth. And not well, you know, not birth, but from the age you can play. I know where this is going. Go. Um, that is LeBron James. Um, if LeBron James grew up in Europe, he'd be the greatest goalkeeper that ever played the game. You know, if he was wanted to be a football player, hell, he was a highly ranked wide receiver, but everyone knew he wasn't going to play football, so people didn't even bother recruiting him. 
you know, LeBron James at 18 years old had a grown man's body. He's fast. He's athletic. He's tall. He's long. He's strong. LeBron James is the one of the greatest physical specimens we ever had. I know he gets a lot of hate. There's a lot of knocks on him. But one of the true testaments of greatness is we never appreciate it in their time. And six foot eight, 250 pounds to get people enough. People who aren't basketball fans, the Warriors and the Cavaliers have played three straight times in NBA finals, meaning they've had three very long series, three long seasons. Before that, I think LeBron is LeBron's made it like eight straight finals, right, Stefan? Something like that. Yeah, that's another thing is he's, he's never hurt. He's been doing this at a high level so long. And yeah, especially in the world of combat sports, his durability, you know. If you think basketball is a non-contact sport, you haven't played in a long time. You know, there is a physical beating to be told. Also, I ran back and forth at the 24-hour fitness on the courts. In your 30s, jumping and running around, that's some pressure on your knees. And I am not six foot eight. I do not have a 40-inch vertical. And I do not have an extra 100 pounds on my body. Yet my knees ache all the same. Um, the beating your bike takes to be at such a high consistent level the man is strong the man is a physical genius it's one of those things whether he had the ch whether he has a chin whether he has the mentality to be a fighter we'll never know but all i know is based on like the physical specimen he has been his whole life he is the great what if of every single sport that has ever existed that if he committed to that sport early he probably could have dominated anything he ever wanted to do that's what i said i picked an excellent topic for us to be freewheeling it here, too. It's going pretty well. Um, Marcus, what do you got here, man? Well, let me steer this ship right into the ice. <laughs> here we go. Let's go. Because obviously, I uh, don't have a wealth of knowledge of high-tier athletes, but I have a spattering of people. Mostly, um, I would consider these most like freak show fights. These these would have been guys that would come in, and their phys physical nature would be more um, impressive than maybe their, their skills would be. Um, and the first one that came to mind was in the pro wrestling uh, genre. And it, this is a guy, basically, I mean, picked him because he he says himself, like, if I would have known about this and it was more popular, I may have gone this route. And that's, I don't know his real name. The Undertaker, Bobby, wasn't Mark something? Mark Calloway. Mark Calloway. I mean, mostly he's shown an interest in the sport. And I would, yeah, it'd be interesting to see someone with that kind of dimension throw up those shitty throw, throw up those shitty go-go platas I, my man he has a he has a finisher that's a go-go plata a bad one obviously it's pro I, wrestling I, but he calls it the hell's gate which i like the name yeah and i mean Personal. the guy obviously has an affinity for the sport he's implemented a lot of mma fight uh you know techniques and also he started wearing the fingerless gloves you know while they you know when the ufc started implementing those so that would have been interesting and then i have a, a spattering of well i mean real quickly also undertaker also walked i remember stefan he walked manny pacquiao out to a couple fights which you could tell because undertaker is about 12 inches taller than everybody else in that crew yeah i mean he's been attending i've you've you can spot him in the audience of a ton of mma and boxing cards that he's, he's a combat sports fan and he's he's been there for a long time so yeah i i'm not surprised mark picked him because he he and The Rock, I think, have been the most vocal about how they kind of man. The Rock would have got his ass. They love to what if if you know this could have been a, a viable avenue for them in a younger time. All right, Marcus, you have a couple so, more. Yeah, just a spattering of, and these are more like th these are more. There was murmurings that maybe these gentlemen would you know get into uh, the octagon and throw down, and the first one, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. 
Inoki wanted to fight Hongman Choi for a while, and I think that would have been an interesting freak show fight. I mean, that would have been a freak show fight. It's literally two ginormous freak show men. I think he also called out Jose Canseco at one point. I well, Jose fought uh, Hongman Choi, and that was just a freak show. And at the same time, when I'm when I'm thinking lanes, I'm like trying to think of athletes. Like, I don't really want to see Mark McGuire or Barry Bonds in the octagon. It doesn't really uh, it just like I wouldn't really want to see Jose Canseco. And when it came to fruition, it was like, yeah, no, I was right. This is not good. This guy threw some kicks and blew his knee out before anything happened. Um, which is probably, I think, a Shaquille O'Neal fight that is a very real possibility that this dude being that big just moves around in the wrong way and a knee just snaps. Um, Still, would have been interesting. Also, a, a guy that was in the UFC games. Uh, so that'd be funny. You know, the UFC knows the athletes we want in there as well. Uh, and then the other ones were, uh, obviously, there was a time where Wesley Snipes and Joe Rogan were thinking about fighting each other. And I think seeing either of those gentlemen uh, throw down. I mean, obviously, Joe is a a student of the game. He's practiced jujitsu for a long time. I, Bobby, do you remember, was he on the Olympic Taekwondo team or was that? No, he was, he was or? national. I think he was national champion or state right, champion. Something or, like that. So obviously, he was, you, you can find a picture of Joe Rogan kicking a motherfucker in the head, by the way. Um, you, you or get, YouTube like, video of it. Yeah, you can get very recent videos of him kicking. There's like some machine at the UFC training center that like measures the impact. And I think he has like a record on that or some shit. Um, but those two, and then the last one, which I think I, I could have, I could see this guy doing okay, but more so his kind of like persona and attitude really selling him would be Dennis Rodman. I think he would have been an interesting choice. He's a big, tall guy. I could just picture Dennis with the hair and I don't know what he would do with like his, uh, nipple rings and stuff, but I could just see him on top of some dude smashing him and, 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 and winning and being very, uh, charismatic so those are my picks they're mostly jokes you know these weren't top tier i don't think any of those guys is really like athletic i mean uh, freaks of nature i mean also you can pretty much just pencil in like back when pro wrestling was like kind of legit in the early 20s and 30s and, like, oh all those old like, strong like guys ed, yeah. ed, ed strangler lewis fucking um what's the one um Thez, luthez yeah um carl Fra- like uh Gotch. wait no he's actually carl got he, he frank was actually a wrestler, wrestler frank Gotch. yeah yeah and he might um, have, but, i think he might have done at least in Japan, did some pro wrestling that was very, you know, Pancrase-esque. Because mostly, I remember seeing him in the Fire Pro game, so I was like, this guy must have done something. And there's a yeah, couple of so, I mean, too, back then, that were wrestling. There, was a, there was a ton of guys back there, I mean, but like, I mean, but pretty much, I mean, look, I, I got Kurt Angle in my head, I'm like, this one wins. I'm gonna roll with this shit. This is gonna be great. I still wonder, man, that would've been so cool. I, I mean, Brock fought in MMA, and I'm just like, man, if they gotten Brock, like, five years earlier. Like, if Brock had a chance to, like, be Brock, like build up, it would develop so into a fighter instead of. Then again, Brock Brock's about that cheddar, and Jim Ross and Vince McMahon paid him. So do what you got to do. Uh, before we put a feather in this, uh, can I chime in that if Mike were here, he probably would pick someone like Jose Canseco, who in fact did have a couple MMA fights, and Mike probably. just didn't know about it or forgot about it. That would be Mike's pick. He would he would pick someone who did indeed already fight in MMA, and we have some frame of reference. You got to keep the streak alive, man. You got to keep the streak alive. Um, all right, let's do stuff we like. Um, oh, we promised oh, it last. I, I did want to before because we did. Oh mention, shit! I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> we 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 mentioned last week. We do want to hear from you guys on Twitter. It's am amazing. Um, that's our handle. Uh, you can always email us. It's am amazing at Gmail. 
Um, and someone actually hit us up. Bob, do you actually, can, are you pulling that up now and we could get this? Well, first off, cause... yeah, let me first off thank MMA at MMA Gambling Tips, the MMA Goodfellow who told me I should use a VPN to watch Bellator while oh, I was having a mental breakdown. Tips. Shout out to, shout out to him for doing that. Um, shout out to um, Stefan's friend Jackie or all of our friend Jackie now, I'm going to say. Because she, she was on the, the show? Po- she was on the right, podcast on the episode. Yeah, we, we yeah exactly. Them, we call them friends of the show. That's friends the of the show. Thing. Friends of the show. Jackie liked my joke about Fedor being fat. Nice. So I like that. Um. So our guy Lex Jansen um hot asked tip. us why hot. Why didn't he asked us why didn't you guys preview the Cam Soda fights? No Which, fucking um, idea what that was. But by the way, it's Cam Soda is a uh, streaming website. For people to, um, you guys know what a cam website is, right, man? Come on, it's amateur porn. Webcam porn. Yeah, webcams. Stars. I, so I made a great joke. I felt a great joke. I'm gonna say that again about how we ran out of cam soda tokens, so we couldn't preview the fights. But uh, I don't know how. So that this works. happened. Yeah, whatever. I didn't. It doesn't make a ton of sense. So there was a, a MMA event on a porn site, um, which of course Charles Crazy Horse Bennett was on, which I felt was like. That was like even money, really. I like mean, that when, was when your nickname is literally the name of a strip club franchise. I think you're in good billing to be on the. I'm pretty sure every every city's got a crazy horse. So yeah, um, and then it was headlined by Rico Rodriguez, former UFC heavyweight champion, taking on Alex Nicholson, former UFC middleweight who I didn't know wasn't even in the UFC anymore. And, I mean, Rico's been fighting since we were, like, 13 years old, man. So, it went as well as you thought it was going to go for him. Right, Marcus? And, uh, I mean, he's been fighting that long, and he hasn't been relevant in a really long... I was surprised to see that he was on this card. But this card did some interesting things, right? They they kind of try... I mean, obviously, the venue and the, the website that it's on, that in and of itself is kind of unique. But, I mean, we're quickly becoming indoctrinated in this Twitch culture that people love to watch people stream stuff and people watching the streams want to be involved in some way. Right. And how they kind of did this in this promotion is that you could, it kind of sounds weird. You could actually tip the fighters as they're fighting. So some dude lands a head kick. Here's a couple bucks. And I, I'm we, I don't think any of us saw any of this. Right. I, I think what I read after the fact was that this streamed live it wasn't archived at all. So if you wanted to go back onto Cam Soda, which I think I would maybe not recommend unless that's, you know, unless that you're going there for its main and purpose and you want to see this on the side because you might see some stuff you're By not. By the way, I'm just imagining dudes like buying Cam Soda like tokens to tip people and they get their credit card statement and they're telling their wives like, no, no, no. It wasn't for the busty Latina page. It was for Rio Rodriguez and Alex Nicholson. Their site Cam Soda because it's not. I don't think you automatically. I mean, I would, I would, I would Google. I would Google. I know what that means. Oh, man, I guess I got something on my credit card statement that I don't know. I'm Googling that shit immediately. You just say, look at this guy on there just has the most crazy glass soda collection I've ever seen. And I just got to see this dude stream and tell me about the hottest new pickups at his vintage stores. Um, but it, from what I heard about the um, actual broadcast, not only were you tipping uh, the fighters while the fight's going on, which I mean, I think is kind of weird, but ultimately if the dudes are just getting more cheddar on the side from the fans directly, I'm always, you know, in favor of that. But what sounded really annoying and what you can do on Twitch when you subscribe to somebody or donate, you usually can have a little gift pop up and sometimes a little sound effect goes on. So I guess when they were tipping these guys, you could play sound bites which is all fine and good when you're streaming something, but not only was it on the stream, but it was live 
in the audience. So like some dude tips you a dollar and then you get the karate kid saying sweep the leg and put him in a body bag, which in and of itself at an event when some fucker yells that out in the, you know, the first time you hear it a decade ago, it was kind of funny. Like sweep the leg. I love the karate kid. This is an environment where this kind of makes sense. But when you're on a stream and people are just constantly tipping and you're hearing the same sound bites over and over again, I can imagine it's really annoying. Uh, I have to imagine being at the event live, that might have been a little irritating because it's already kind of, you know, we've been at a lot of fights. There's people that want to make themselves the show and are yelling out and being obnoxious. Just having sound bites and the whole internet coming into that as well just seems like it could be a bit much, but... Ultimately, I, I thought it was interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, shout-outs. Uh, Bob, what was, what was this guy's uh, handle again on, on Twitter? It was at Lex Jansen 2 Yeah, because, so. I mean, Bob, I don't, I don't know if you heard about this. I had no idea this was going on, and there was some... I knew it was happening because uh, the good folks at the Co-Main Event Podcast mentioned it. I just forgot. I didn't exactly, you know, put that shit on my calendar. Yeah. And despite the fact our podcast, even this week, is somehow an hour without a UFC fight to preview, oh, and it's going to be even longer. Avengers, so we got it. We got exactly. So we're just, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, ask us questions, man. We'll talk about, you know, I won't just complain about Bellator on Twitter. I'll do more, I promise. So ask us. Let me know what you think. Um, we're going to do stuff we like. Um, Mark and I have two quick ones. Well, I actually mine's definitely a quick, quick one uh, that I would like to uh, chime in, but I'll let y'all go. Yeah, we can all fuck okay. some stuff. Well, in. you know what? Let's go. Um, I'll lead off. Um, listening to a new, I'm basically the pro wrestling guy now. I've come to terms with it. Um, it's okay. Um, my there's, there's a new, uh, podcast I listened to, started listening to it today, was excited for it. Um, it's called 83 weeks and it is, um, I've talked about, uh, the Bruce Pritchard podcast before where Bruce Pritchard used to work for the WWF and his co-host, co-host just badgers him and really needles him about what really happened behind the scenes. Um, that same co-host, Conrad Thompson, who I fucking love this guy. I think he's great. Um, he's doing this with Eric Bischoff. And Eric Bischoff was the executive producer of WCW um, during the famed Monday Night Wars, which was a time in the late 90s where the WWF got their ass whooped um, by WCW. I should, have said, out of I should have said Bischoff in my celebrities because that guy knew some karate. from That, the video that guy game knew some shit. <laughs> he was a karate dude, yeah. But um, Bischoff was... Uh, executive producer of WCW and 83 weeks being the name of the show because for 83 straight weeks, um, WCW kicked the, kicked the shit out of WWE, um, just routed them until eventually, you know, shit fell apart. But I love stuff like this, man. And like, I mean, me and Stefan and Mark, um, we were knee deep in pro wrestling at this point. And it's still cool for me to like, I don't really, I mean, as much as I talk about it, the current product isn't as interesting to me as, like, listening to podcasts about the past. And I like podcasts in general. And Conrad Thompson does fucking great work. And he's already annoying Bischoff. He's going to be – this. I don't know how this, this show is going to last because he's just going to needle the fuck out of him about giving him real answers or not. So I like I like this shit. So, yeah, that's what I got this week. Stefan, uh, we'll go to you right now. We'll, yeah. We're going to come back to you afterwards. But what do you got? Um, yeah, I, shout outs to um, – I finally got – I got a chance to watch it this morning. Uh, shout outs to Michelle Wolf. I did oh, not know nice. who you are before going Me into either. this. Uh, I just heard you were comedian doing jokes at the correspondence dinner for the White House. Um, and I just want to give her props because the proverbial balls on her to go into a den of wolves – and hold nothing back. 
she unleashed on a crowd that mostly did not want to hear what she had to say. Um, and I respect her for it. She went and in on them. She was good. You got to give her props for those. I mean, she, she at those dinners and uh, Bob, do you remember who, who did it last year? Cause I love that kid. He, I think he killed it too. Uh, oh, the kid from uh, the kid from Davis. Hassan yeah. Minaj. Hassan, Hassan Minaj. Yeah. He has a really good Netflix special. I know we talked about it. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, he killed it. She hasn't, she, she, she's got a show on Netflix now too, by the way. Okay. Yeah. And I yeah. thought she did really good too. And what I liked about her is, I mean, elephant in the room is just like you have 20 pages of trump material and she didn't really just like she she spread it around like you're supposed to but my favorite i'm sure you guys saw like those sarah huckabee slams when she's fucking two feet away from you and sarah's facial expressions like it literally looked like she just walked over and just slapped her every time she she hit her with some of that stuff but yeah a good mention steph because i watched that this weekend too and i thought she did a smash up job too and again yeah what i wasn't aware of right like last year i didn't know who uh he was either, and they come out, they they do a great performance, they get kind of put on the map, so. I mean, I just want to say the White House Correspondents uh, Association is a bunch of fucking cowards. You know who you book. You know their material. You know the type of comedian you get. Don't it, – it's like the joke about – Chris Rock had about um, Siegfried and Roy. Remember when the Tiger attached, attacked Roy or whatever? Sure, Remember the, yeah. the – there was a Las Vegas act called Siegfried and Roy. They had tigers. One of the tigers attacked the guy. And Chris Rock said, people said, what's wrong with the tiger? Chris Rock's like, nothing wrong with the tiger. Tiger act like a fucking tiger. And you picked a ball-busting murderer of a comedian up there, and you hire her to do this job. What the fuck do you think was going to happen? I mean, I thought this was kind of... Oh, for the no, people are, being, people are being soft. Uh, people are being soft and apologizing, and she went too far. Fuck you. It's oh, comedy. Yeah. You I hire somebody... Yeah, Stephen, Colbert ripped, Stephen Colbert ripped George Bush apart to George Bush. Like 10, 15 years ago. I remember this. And people were like offended then. I'm like, what do you think was going to happen? What do, who do you think you hired? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's like a comedy roast, right? And I mean, that's why it was kind of important for the fucking president to be there. I mean, this guy doesn't have any balls, right? I mean, Trump is just so, he's so secluded and scared to be mocked. I mean, it's literally why he became president. I mean, fucking Obama roasted him and he's like, fuck that guy. I need to become president. And now he's scared to come to this event. Um, I mean, but that's what makes it work, right? Like, yeah, you roast uh, George W. Bush, but he gets up there and he roasts you back and it's all in good fun. And look at this is serious business that journalism do. This is literally giving the people the information. It is part of what makes our democracy work. It is important, but it's also important to celebrate it and to know that we all make mistakes. It's, you know, a flawed system, but it's an honored system. And this is just part of it. Like they have a night for themselves to kind of poke fun at each other and know that it's all in good fun here. You know, we're going to roast each other. We're going to, you know, talk about how C-SPAN doesn't get any ratings and all the conservative yeah. liberal stuff, but it's all in good fun. And to kind of, I don't, I didn't hear any of that stuff, Bob, but that's just, Oh, sick. Oh, my, this motherfucker was just like, cause one guy was just like, Oh, I'm not going to let the elites just make fun of us. I'm like, Elites. The elite is not the fucking comedian who lives in a one-bedroom apartment in New York. The elite is your dumbass who's a fucking like news anchor making ten million dollars a year. Don't tell me who a fucking elite is. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, Mark, uh, let's go with yours so we can get into yeah, Avengers. Super short. I just didn't want it not to get mentioned because it kind of got snuffed when it came out years ago on the Wii U. Uh, this week on Friday, uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is uh, getting ported to the Switch, and as someone that didn't have a Wii U, uh, a lot of people like. Donkey Kong Country, uh, Tropical Freeze. They said it was really good. I know that year it was in contention for Game of the Year. And it ultimately didn't win from a lot of places, I think, because it was on the Wii U and a lot of people didn't get to experience it. But um, I'm really excited to try it out. Uh, I never got to play it because it was on the Wii U. But I have heard 
a lot of the soundtrack that is uh, performed by uh, Dave Wise. And he used to do all the soundtracks for Banjo and Kazooie and Donkey Kong Country Returns, the 3D platformer. He just he does really good music, and the platform is supposed to be spot on. So yeah, I didn't I didn't want it to get kind of a fall to the wayside because it kind of had that already on the Wii U. So I want to give it a little bit of spotlight, but. You know, we got a I am a hundred but I am a hundred percent buying that shit. That's not even a question. Good. It's supposed yeah, to be no, God, so dude, I love Donkey Kong. Are you kidding me? Uh guys, uh, you know me. I'm all about that fucking if it was three D it'd be nicer, but fuck, side scrolling, I'll deal with it. Cool. I need that uh, Mario Odyssey Diddy Kong skin. I haven't earned it and I don't want to buy the amiibo, but it was the it was oh, the, it was the best looking skin from all no the pants. <laughs> I got dude, I I I I was playing Mario on the flight home real quick. And um by the way, when you're in turbulence it's kind of weird playing the Switch because, like, I couldn't make Mario move while I was also moving. He's jump Just <laughs> There's a lot of stuff happening, man. And, like, but then, like, I had this old guy sitting next to me, and I got, like, a moon. And this guy gives me a little nudge, and he gives me, like, a fist bump. Like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man. You should be like, bro, um, there's, like, 999. Don't dude, I was going to be like, man, I'm, a, I'm like, a, dude, I'm at 675 now, man. What yeah. do you want? <laughs> um, Stefan, I'm going to let you uh, take the ball here. And um, Avengers... Infinity War came out this past weekend. We all saw. We it. all saw it. Managed to none of us see it together, but we all saw that shit. Um, oh, we didn't just Stephon. come out. You see that opening weekend, baby? Oh, that ah, opening woo. weekend was monstrous. Two fifty mil. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. Um, yeah. So saw Avengers: Infinity War. Uh, first question to you guys. You know, what's your instant take? How'd you feel about it? And where do you put it in your? Uh, where do you put it in the ratings? I think it's weird. Um, weird in the sense, like when I was watching it, there was definitely scenes, particularly in the beginning. I didn't feel like a lot of the dialogue was really landing, was really punchy, was really just like punchy. Because I think coming off of Thor and Black Panther, they were really just kind of skyrocketing, and some of the dialogue didn't really. I, it was kind of hit and miss for me a little bit, right? Like there's certain scenes I was like, some like, especially I think that first scene. With, you know, heavy spoilers, too, by the way. Like, we're going to spoil the shit out of this stuff. I was going to say, yeah, if you didn't see this, turn off now. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking it. about anything Come else. Next, when, when next, next, week, we're, next week, we're going to preview this uh, UFC card is in Brazil, I think. We're going to preview that. But right. go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Yeah, it was just it was just some of the... I think the opening started a little slow for me. And some of the dialogue just didn't land. Like, some of the jokes just didn't land for me. Um, but as the movie started to ramp up, right? As, as things started to escalate, um, the movie came more into its own. And I think what everyone's talking about is just that obviously shit ton of characters, many different story arcs going on to be able to juggle all those things, have them all make sense and work together was a Herculean task. Um, and I think the movie pulls it off you know, spectacularly, right? I think there's definitely some moments in the film that didn't quite land as strongly as I would like. Cause it wasn't, I feel like my expectations after Thor, like Thor was like a laugh a minute. Like every minute there was a joke that landed for me and it was constantly keeping me engaged. And while I was engaged throughout this movie, I never got bored. I never got tired throughout the movie. I was always interested and engaged in what was going on. Um, there are definitely some scenes that kind of lacked for me, but overall I just thought it was spectacular. Right. And getting to see, and what's fun in these crossover movies, you know, when the Avengers first come is just seeing these different characters interact with each other. And there's definitely some standouts. Can, again, Tom Arnold, as Spider Man, just kills it constantly. I think he has Holland. some of the best. Tom Holland, Holland. Holland. <laughs> not Tom Arnold, no, not former, not former husband of Roseanne Barr. A very different Peter Parker, but no, like that kid just kills it, and I think he has some of the best one-liners in the joke, uh, it, it, best one-liners in the whole movie. And 
there's just a lot of things. I mean, I, I overall, I really enjoyed the movie, but and me and Steph are going to see it again tomorrow. And this is definitely a movie I think like you kind of need to see a couple times because when you're first watching it, there's so much stuff going on and there's so many different story threads that are uh, going on at the same time. And while I found, I found it really easy to follow, right? A lot of times in the Marvel movies, halfway through, I'm like, I kind of lose the plot. I'm like, what's Ant-Man doing exactly at this moment? Why is he trying to steal this thing to get that? And sometimes I can kind of get bogged down. But in this movie, I always knew exactly what everyone was trying to accomplish. And uh, there was definitely some moments that hit really strong for me. Some of the battle scenes were really cool. Um, but even then, like I would have wanted some more in some aspects. I don't want to go too on. Those are my, I mean, overall, love the film. My expectations were really high. It met them, but there were some ebbs and flows, right? Like there's some parts of the movie I was like, eh, this isn't quite, it's, it could have been punched up a little bit for me. Is it uh, too soon to know where you put it in the hierarchy? I can I can clearly say I probably put it top six, probably number six, best of the three Avengers films to me. You got your rankings are deep, man. Oh, I've thought about the ranking question many times. I can yeah. we can do we can do a whole nother conversation to my top five in the MCU. Yeah, it would be tough, but I think I think for me probably in the top five, and I don't know because I I mean obviously better than Avengers two. Um, that first one was really iconic though. But again, like this is definitely a movie. Like after I, after I saw it, like I liked it. And I wasn't like over the moon, but like it stuck with me, right? Like the hours after, I kept thinking about the movie and thinking about scenes, thinking about jokes, and I feel like what it was like they just hit you with so much so fast that it really is just taking me time to kind of absorb everything and to appreciate everything that the the movie did accomplish. And that's why I want to see it again, right? Like I need to see. Now that I know all the plot points, I know where things are going. I can really kind of dissect, um, you know, the different aspects of the film. But and I feel like maybe the more times I see it, I'm going to enjoy it more. But I think it's top five for me. Yeah, Bob. Instant reaction. Um, okay, so I um, I told you this, that I did not go in with the highest of expectations just because I didn't really. It's not that I didn't like it. I was a little underwhelmed by um, Captain America three. That was Civil War, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of thought, I'm just like, that movie really didn't have a point to me. It just like, I mean, it seemed like an excuse to have a big-ass fight in an airplane hangar, which was cool and all, but I was a little bit just like, man, we're going to introduce a whole more people, a lot more people on top of this. And like, that doesn't always go well. It's really hard. Like, I thought it was a really difficult task they were trying to pull off here. And ultimately, I thought they did as well as they could and i thought it was really good i mean i thought that movie went as well as possible and i thought it was pretty darn great to be honest um i didn't get bored at any point um this shit cost me like 45 bucks because i was in a movie theater where they serve you food and i went in hungry that was dumb real dumb and by the way lemon pepper chicken strips with ranch sauce is like the worst idea anybody's ever had in their lives okay good to know Put that up. i could fall letting you know. very easily Always, yeah, just don't gotta do get the bone-in wing, not strip. Yeah, uh, dude, uh, yeah, okay. Their fries were good. Anyway, um, I thought it was, a lot of it, like, there was times where I felt like, this is like, it felt like times like I was watching different movies, especially when, like, we, we cut to the Guardians, and immediately we start hitting the soundtrack, and I'm like, did they bring James Gunn in just to direct this shit? Like, that was, uh, that was well done. Um, I thought it was really cool, to be honest. Um, I thought Thanos looked awesome. I thought Thanos looked really good, and uh, Brolin was able to act 
which was kind of cool too. They were able to like he was able to emote. They made this motherfucker cry. Um, that was impressive to me. I need a scene. I don't know what's the scenario where we work this out. Would you give me Ned Spider Man's? That was his name, right? Spider Man's buddy oh Ned. Ned had a one. I need. I need. One I need one line in that movie. Do, am I the only one who needs a scene with Ned and Shuri? Um, oh, that'd be good. That'd be Black good. Panther's sister. That's what I want. I am all. That's like my. I love Black Panther. When Stefan, you're asking my hierarchy. I go back and forth um, daily if Black Panther is number one or Guardians of the Galaxy is number one. Probably Guardians because of I went in there with Guardians just entirely based off of this raccoon's going to ride this motherfucking tree monster with a machine right? use a machine gun. And that movie blew me away. Black Panther, my expectations were sky high and it yeah, fucking it cleared that shit easily. Those are my for top two. I love Captain America 2. Um, yeah. That's another one I thought was great. I the first Avengers movie when it happened, I couldn't believe they pulled that shit off. To be honest, um, Thor three was great. Yeah. Um, this is a small thing, and I know like a lot of people are just like, because they killed everybody in this fucking movie, right? They killed all sorts of people. I would have. This is again a small thing, and I know the people are going to be like, "Well, you don't expect them all to actually be gone." Black Panther's already got a sequel announced. I yeah. would have been cool if he didn't get tossed. That be that's a really small thing though. That was the one where I'm like, literally only him, and I maybe maybe the other guys have sequels announced too, and I'm not paying attention. Yeah, Guardians that one just is fresh one. in my mind. Yeah, I, will, I, mean, I do want to. That's, in that's really small, but you know that's. But overall, I loved it. I would say, you know, better than a lot of the movies up there with like I watched Thor three. I loved Ant Man. You know, yeah, I was going probably around Thor three, Ant Man that area, like five six maybe. Yeah, that's what I got. I, I totally think that's Iron funny. Man. I think all the, the original Iron movie. original Iron Man is excellent too. By the way. <laughs> no one talks about it anymore. <laughs> um, I will chime in on the uh, kind of commentary for the people who kind of complain about like, oh, you know that they're going to bring them back and all. I'd say to them, like, just because you know where a story is going doesn't mean you can't enjoy the story along the way. We all knew how the Titanic was going to end. Doesn't mean people didn't see it a billion times and enjoyed the story along the way. Just because we know that maybe not everyone stays dead for good. Anyways, that aside, I, I, I did want to talk about what we specifically like. I'm in agreement with both you guys, um, like I said from the start. I enjoyed it a lot. There's ones that I hold a little bit better. And, you know, the thing about a Captain America 2 or a Black Panther, part of why it gets to be better is the story gets to be more focused, right? You know, like you said, it's a bit of a Herculean task to get this many plot lines in. Um, so that's why I wanted to talk about what did we like about the film specifically? What did we think worked? And, Bob, you kind of jumped a little on what I wanted to go to. I can't say what start with talking about what I like about this without saying like, damn good job on Thanos. Because when you're building a guy over 19 movies, Thanos has been the boogeyman for a long time now. You know, even when they showed him at the end of Avengers, that was like pre-Josh Brolin casting. That was like a longer we heard it over and over again marvel's got a villain problem right so was thanos gonna be a compelling villain you know aesthetically he looked great and josh brolin well, is a tremendous what, actor i think it, it, talking about that let me bring this up because this is something that i was gonna i was gonna spur in there I mean, how did you feel about thanos's motivation because uh, as we know we, we've we're familiar with the infinity gauntlet storyline and originally i mean they didn't veer too far off of that 
where Thanos' main goal in Infinity War was to kill half the population, but he was mainly doing that because he was in love with Death, Lady Death, or whatever you want to call Mistress her. Mistress Death. Mistress Death. And I feel that that makes a little bit... Because the, the narrative here was really that Thanos' planet basically... And it's really just like overpopulation is like this huge problem, I guess. Like there's not enough food for everyone, which is that... I get that the motivation that his planet died because it was overpopulated and that he wasn't going to, he was going to correct the universe by killing half of the populations on these planets. It, it made sense, but it wasn't as strong as like, I think, I think if they kind of led on the narrative of that, he's in love with mistress death and to try to please her, he's going to kill off that, that, that makes a little bit more sense to me than just this like, Oh, this happened to my planet, so I have to take things in control. My, that that narrative didn't really stick with me. It wasn't as motivating as I think the original concept was, but it still made sense, right? Like I didn't think, I think I think Thanos is a great uh, villain and probably one of the better ones. But it was kind of like I think I've seen a lot of this um, kind of contracting Killmonger and Thanos because they kind of had similar end goals. Which was correct, like a, a like kind of like a civil wrong, but that that but what made Killmonger so much uh, so much of a better villain was that it was it was set in our actual society, right? Like African American people have been denied and been segregated, and he was trying to correct that. And then Thanos didn't really have that extra arc to make his motivation that much stronger. Um, I, I feel like made him slightly less than uh, Killmonger was, but still a really strong villain. And I, I think. What made him stronger is that his motivations, while I feel they were kind of lacking, they did a really good job in building that backstory. And like you said, Steph, as the boogeyman character, to have one film where you're juggling all these fan favorite characters, but it's mainly a film about getting to know who this guy is and why he's doing what he's doing. I think they did a really good job. And um, I loved the scenes where... I loved and hated the scene where he killed Gamora, right? I loved the beginning of it where... He, and, okay, first, uh, you have to give a shout out to Red Skull. Like, that was a really cool throwback. That was a character I was not expecting to see in yeah, this film. I don't think anyone was expecting that. And to see him there, I was just like, whoa. Like, that was just, like, kind of a mind fuck. That was really cool. And then to get there and basically have this, um, the the plot being that he has to kill someone that he loves to get the soul stone. And then Galmore, uh, uh, Galmore, <laughs> I'll say her name right, Galmore's reaction that she's jubilant, like you don't love anything, so you can't. Your your goals will never be accomplished. And to have that arc to figure out, like even though he doesn't show you the love like a normal parent would, he still loved her, and ultimately sacrificing her is what got him the soul stone. I thought that narrative plot was really cool. I didn't like how they shot it, right? Like I thought it was. When, when he threw her down and they had this long pan away from her body just lying there, I was like, I didn't really need that. Like, I think they were trying to pull at the emotional strings a little bit too much. And I would have been, I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to say you wanted to see impact. No, it was honest. just like, just like this, like, it was just like, oh, look at her. She died. And it's like, you could have just shown me just him throwing her off. And I would have gotten that without this. Like, it, to me, it just kind of brought me out of the movie and it kind of just made it seem like, this is emotional, huh? This is really getting you guys. I was like, nah, no, because you're, you're playing it up too much. Wait, before we uh, spiral in multiple directions, I did want to come back to the, like the original question you posed of how did I think that plot yeah, change uh, worked? Um, I personally thought it worked really well. I, Cause I thought it was more accessible to a mainstream audience because while us being the comic book readers, we're very familiar with the mistress death. 
that boils down to he did it because he wanted to impress a girl. That does not end up becoming, that's not, that doesn't hold as a motivation. Population control, one, it's a very real issue. It's one our planet is facing right now, but it is not a sexy issue to talk about. But we are in the middle of overpopulation issues right now in this world for one. And two, what I think it does is, and what I think one of the key hallmarks of a great villain is they say a great villain doesn't think he's a villain, right? So True, you, yeah. you give him an altruistic, even if it's delusional, even if it doesn't make sense in a grand scheme, if you give him the base motivation of he is trying to preserve life in the universe, it's just his means are weird, right? Because he makes the statement, life unchecked is you know life that becomes uncontrollable, that becomes unruly, that becomes devastating, that, you know, that everything is a finite resource. So you give him, again, terrible means to an end, but you give him an altruistic goal. Therefore, he does not see himself as the villain. And I, a really genius way, I think they established that is he does not kill everyone at will. He doesn't kill everyone at random. He lets a lot of people live. You know, he kills Loki early on because Loki betrays him. He defies him. He attempts to kill him himself. But in the other sequences, when he could have killed Drax, when he could have killed Mantis, he leaves them alone because when he talks about his plan for death, it's random. Rich, like poor, you know, it's that way it's fair. He believed in this fair system. He never killed anyone he felt he didn't have to kill, you know? So again, it's the means are crazy, but you can on some type of twisted level justify that he thinks he's right in what he's doing. So that's where I think making it something bigger than I'm in love with this female and I want her to favor me. I want her to notice me. That's a bit more hollow of a reason. If you know, so that's where I think it, in terms of a plot device, I think that works better in that regard. Bob, did you, when you guys, um, when they did the thing with Gamora, uh, getting offed, um, I initially was just like, man, how much does fucking, um, Star Lord need to go through? Like, and then I thought after, then I thought about I mean, it some you, more. I'm like, okay, so this Thor is going to be. went through? Yeah, that, that was a great scene. Yeah, he, no, no, that was excellent. No, but I, did you, did it? I, I thought about it some more. Maybe people are smarter than me and they came across this sooner, but I'm like, oh, okay. Guardians 3, because I'm going to assume she's not coming back. I hope, at least. I, maybe I don't hope, but like, I thought Guardians 3 could be this dude finally going off the deep end with all the stuff he's gone through, Star Lord. Like, finally, like, between his mom, his dad, and now Gamora. Like, what else can you take from a man? That was just, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's where they're going at all. That's what I thought. Um, Does anybody actually think Loki's gone for good? Yes. You think so? Do you all, okay. They're not I think Loki's the best they're character. They're not doing more Thor movies. Feige has already said the Thor ends at the trilogy. He's the best character they've made in any of these, right? Or is it just me who thinks that? Like, it's him and Iron Man. I think. I mean, I like a the lot best of two characters. characters. I do too. But I mean, like literally, like any second, like especially like you saw it in like Thor two, how bad Thor two was. The only moments were even like decent were when Loki was on screen. I don't know. I just I just finished watching Thor three, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I think he's kind dude, of a pinnacle, like, and he's a really strong character. But I think we've all known that a lot of these actors aren't going to hang around to do these for decades. Did it? Did everybody sit there waiting for like, all right, we're going to get, we're going to kill uh, Captain America. Thought, here. Yeah. Like, I Oh thought, no. Or we're going to kill Iron Man here. I'm like, one of these motherfuckers are about say, to go. We were getting all over the place. <laughs> instead of trying to, uh, but um, I will say to those ones, 
I thought one or both of them would die, but being as they both lived, I am now certain that both will die in the next one. I believe there will be some type of trade-off where some of them die to bring some of the others back. Because there are, again, it also it comes back to contracts and all this. Chris Evans, has a, he doesn't want to be Captain America anymore, you know? Robert Downey Jr. will probably take stick around for a big paycheck in some capacity, but he'll be less of the focus. And Feige has been over it. So you, I mean, if you pay attention to the behind-the-scenes stuff, you can predict where the movies are going. But Feige has made it clear in the next phase of Marvel, it's going to be a different cast. It's going to be a different group of heroes we follow. And, you know, just to jump ahead, just to make the point real quick, it's who we see at the end. We're setting Captain Marvel up to be something big. We're setting, she's not just another one in the brand. We're setting up her up to be a new leader of the Avengers. So, um, but uh, kind of in a more topic, I, I did want, we've kind of gone back and forth, but I also want to talk about, you know, I, as much as I liked it, there were things that didn't work for me. So I want to talk what specifically didn't work for you. Um, and I got a couple things I want to chime out. One, uh, the nerfing of a lot of the powers was just a little confusing to me. It seemed characters became weaker for the sake of plot, like Vision, per se. Yeah. Vision has a Mind Stone, can't seem to use it in any capacity. Doctor Strange has the Time Stone, can't seem to use it in any type of capacity. Scarlet Witch, it's kind of undefined what her powers even are in the Marvel Universe. Remember when she mind controlled people and made them fear and see things? It seems like she just kind of has telekinesis now. The reality, the, the, the Infinity Stones themselves seem nerfed to me. Did, Steph, do you thought? I mean, like, I feel everybody must must have made this joke in their head when Vision got uh got stabbed from behind, and I, I think everybody made the well fucking Vision didn't see that shit coming, right? Like it, that was it really was really one. like she got stabbed like three times. Like there was multiple times where <laughs> he Vision couldn't stop getting stabbed. Yeah, and I and I would say Steph, to your question of like what the the weak points were, I kind of agree with both. I think the a good portion of the movie kind of laid on Scarlet Witch and Vision. And that dynamic just, it, it never really clicked that much for me just because of, yeah, and this movie is just like, there's two things. Like, yeah, Vision did seem kind of nerfed. And overall, when the Infinity Stones were used to like actually use their powers correctly, they were really cool. And that's kind of what makes the Infinity Gauntlet like as a weapon so awesome is that it could do pretty much anything. And there was definitely moments where they utilized that when... Thanos fucking went to punch Tony Stark and he blew up the moon and the moon came like that's the kind of shit you want to see when he they did some callbacks to Infinity Gauntlet I can't remember the two characters I think it was maybe some of the Black Order people like when he chopped that one guy into a bunch of cubes and the other person just became a bunch of silly string like when you have the reality stone you can just do whatever you want when you have the time stone you can just go back in time and they utilize those stones throughout the film every now and then it's just sometimes i was like when they're doing in the middle of the fights i was like dude you have like you control time space power reality like i and i guess i think for me how you kind of justified in my head like why isn't he just using all the stones to their best abilities there's a lot of things you can kind of um you know rp in your head like he's new to using the stones he doesn't know how to harness the power he's also he might just be kind of playing with people because when he fought hulk that in, in the beginning of the movie which i think was a really cool scene um, they kind of say like, oh, let him play with his toy, you know, and he just beats the shit out of the Hulk and, and basically speaking does. Of, um, speaking of Thanos playing with his toy, do you guys notice, uh, I found a little humor in this, that uh, Thanos made bubbles twice. Thanos likes bubbles. It, it, like, it, he could have done, he could have done a million things, but he made both that dagger pen and the gun bubbles. 
and Thanos what he likes bubbles. This just is watching Maximilian dude play through Thanos. He has, I think that's a comic thing. And I think he does it in, in the comics too. Like he has a move where he throws a bubble at you and you get encompassed in this bu bubble. But yeah, I think for me, um, the realities, the, the the infinity stones not always being utilized as best, you know, kind of there's a, there's a bunch of little things that when I was watching it and I was like, Oh, I wish they did a little bit more of that. And then looking back on, it, I was like, no, he did use the infinity stones in different ways and interesting ways throughout the film. And then one of the things that kind of like there, there was just certain parts in this movie where they were supposed to be really dramatic. And I think they tried a little too hard for me and it didn't get that guttural reaction. That is usually pretty easy to come out in me. And it's when at the end of the movie, when all the heroes are disappearing, I, I was taken out of the scene where they, um, where um, uh, Spider-Man was extremely upset about his passing because everyone else, it didn't really seem like it dawned on them, right? Like it just kind of happened and they faded away, but he had this whole like heart. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And at first that kind of irked me the wrong way. And then today I just read one thing. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And someone just said like, well, he had spider sense. So he probably knew he was about to die. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. That that now that scene in that context doesn't seem as cheesy as it did originally. So that's just my, those are my takes. Um, I made my own stupid little complaint about, it wasn't even really a complaint about the Black Panther going out, but I know, I know he's going to be in the next movie. Ant-Man, you know, I'd I like Ant-Man a lot. Um, and if there's a way to get fucking uh, Luis do anything in these movies, that was his buddy's yeah. name, right? I think they, they touched yeah. on Ant-Man and Hawkeye in like a throwaway sentence. They're like, oh, yeah. they have families. Yeah, they're like, oh, they took deals or something, yeah, like they right? They have families. They're... Yeah. I mean, look, Hawkeye's on the farm. Ant-Man is, He's you know. Because if you, if you watch the trailer for the second Ant-Man movie, they talk about how he fucked everything up for um, Wasp and... Uh, Hank Pym, how they're on the run because of the right. shit from um, all the stuff for the Sokovia Accords and stuff. There's just that little thing. Um, also, it was fucking devastating that a uh, dude got uh, when Spider Man went out. Like, I mean, yes. the way they did it, it was of really like deaths, that was devastating. Because I said I said this to my uh, sister after I saw it is like everyone either kind of just went out with confusion or a quippy one liner. Peter Parker went out with a realistic fear of death. And that was haunting to me. And like, it looked like it fucking broke Iron Man's heart because like that dude's like, he was like his kids, this kid's mentor for lack he's of a better term. Lord. And like, yeah, he's this guy. I mean, that was a good way of putting it. And like, he's, I don't know if it's like that in every relationship, every version of their relationship in ultimate Spider-Man. It's kind of like that too, quite frankly, where he looks so much up to him. Ultimate Spider-Man, the cartoon, I mean, and this is just a small thing, but then, like, the after credit scene, I know we had to get to Captain Marvel, but after what happened with Spider-Man, I really could give a shit about, like, Sherbotsky and Nick Fury going callback. out. I, well, I mean, look, it was, I mean, it was okay, but, like, I mean, it wasn't necessary. I know we had to get to the Captain Marvel part, but, like, that was the part where I was like, you already hit me I mean, with the, the big one. That you know what I mean? was to almost allow Samuel L. Jackson to get his catchphrase in there. Yeah, this is just real quick, by the way. Um, this is just a question. Uh, Captain Marvel is supposed to be set in the nineties. Yeah, so. It's my yep. understanding. With younger, with younger Coulson, Brie Larson, in addition to being goddamn gorgeous, got a crush on that woman. Um, she's like twenty nine. What are we doing here? Like, is she going to be aged up in these movies going forward? And when she shows up, like, what's... on the makeup. I mean, if you follow Brie Larson, she's kind of looked the same for the last decade. So it works. I'm just saying, we're gonna. 
Where, where, unless she's playing like 18 in the 90s and now she's supposed to be like 36. I don't. Anyway, yeah, that was um, that was. I really just again, I thought as like it's not so much complaints. It's like that went as well as it could. To be honest, I thought pretty much as well as that could have gone, given the task they had. Because fuck, man, these Marvel Netflix shows they couldn't deal with four defenders. They threw every supporting cast member in a goddamn police um, briefing room for 12 episodes. They couldn't. They didn't know what to do with that many people. All right, and I know this is a totally different group of people, but. Things can go bad. That's what I'm saying. Things could have gone so bad. So that went as that went so well. That went as well as they could have possibly made it go. Is what I'm. I saying. agree. I had uh, one more I wanted to chime in on. I just wasn't happy how they did it for saying it went as well as it could have. There's one thing I don't think I don't like their direction they went with it. Um, and this is me kind of being my Star Wars fan, where you could say maybe it's the theories that disappoint me. I do not like how they did the Soul Stone. Um, being that the soul stone was the missing infinity stone that wasn't established in any other movie. Um, the soul stone has a very big history, especially being connected to Adam Warlock, which is teased in, uh, guardians Two. There were so many theories on how they could have done the soul stone and, you know, yeah, it created the powerful moment. It was a moment meant to humanize Thanos, but I'll be honest, trading a life for an infinity stone does not seem like that big of a deal. So the whole thing that it it's a soul for a soul that that the stakes don't actually seem that high to be honest. And again, not everyone's a comic fan, not everyone knows that much about the infinity stones, but for how many specific stories the soul stone has had it itself, for that to be its delivery into the universe, it was a bit of a letdown for me. But yeah, I wasn't I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't too upset with that. And I agree with you, like there's a lot of different ways they could have implemented that. But kind of like you were saying, like that was it, it kind of was an important part of the movie and with Thanos's arc. Right. Because later in the movie, when I think I think he's talking to Tony or something, and he basically talks about like, I had to give up everything for this, like literally. And he's really just talking about killing Gamora is like the only person that he loved in this world he had to give up so i felt like that did carry a little bit of weight and with the soul stone i it, it, it i agree with you like when it first happens like man this one seems kind of easy to get like the other ones are kind of like you know they're kind of you got to go through some shit to get that and you just go to this planet red skull he walks you over to your little place and he's like okay this is where we're gonna kill the body i mean they established the first one exactly he essentially defeated xandar which is the planet of the nova core so but you don't oh, get a scout he wiped out the big uh space force to get that first stone. And this one's like, it just, I get, like you said, the, it, it was for a story arc purpose, but it, was, it, was a plot it just device. didn't feel like the magnitude that it should have been. Uh, my last question I wanted to ask you guys, you know, we talk about it's such a packed movie. Was there any character in the movie that you wanted more of? Cause everyone got their little bits. Was there anyone you wish they gave a little more to? Yeah, I got one. And I can't, I forgot, uh, the motherfucker, uh, they made reference to him when Thor said half these people got killed. Where was the dude, Korg? the rock man from Thor 3? Where was Korg? Because I was like, where's Korg? Did you kill Korg? Is Korg alive? Because again, I had just watched Thor 3. So I'm like, where is Korg? There's no mention to uh, where's Tessa his buddy? Valkyrie. Yeah, Valkyrie's the one I was going to. Where? Yeah, that was the thing. I'm like, where are, uh, uh, that too. Like, is she dead? Because, or where's Korg? Especially, especially Korg. I, I'm not trying to be funny necessarily, but like I, they do, they do side characters. I feel in these movies so well, the sidekicks in these movies are so well done. Every one of these movies has a good sidekick. And like, that was one where I'm like, where's this dude? That dude was awesome. 
that was yeah, yeah there honestly. wasn't really a lot of characters i felt like they, i think for me what it was like certain characters had a little bit more of a character arc in this film um i, I kind of i mean obviously thanos is the one they focus on the most but i really liked I mean, look, Marcus, Ned, we well, want more Ned. I mean, That's I, what I almost, I, I, I would like more Ned, but I think it's perfect that dude literally has like three words he says and he fucking murders it. Spaceship, we're all going to die. And that was, just, that was, I love that scene. But what I was getting to was there was a couple of the heroes um, that had a little bit more of an arc to them. And I think one of the ones I liked the most was Thor, right? Like when he's going to get his new hammer and he, I think he's talking to Rocket Raccoon and there's a lot of good scenes with Thor. I didn't like the first scene with Thanos and Loki. I thought that one was a little dry and didn't really hit with me. But once he met the Guardians and how he played off of them, I thought was really fun. But it was mostly when they were going to um, to the Iron Forge to, to make his new hammer and Rocket's kind of talking about like, you know, wh why are we doing all this? And he's like, he talks about how he's lost everything. Like I lost my dad, my evil, my sister. I found him out. My sister, she was evil. My brother was killed in front of me. I literally don't have anything else to live for. So why not try this? I thought that was a really cool little arc for Thor. And the other one I liked too, I thought it was really cool. He's not in the movie a ton and it's, he's part of a character. It's Hulk. Like you see him in the beginning of the movie, just get thrashed by Thanos. And for the rest of the movie, we see Hulk scared for the first time, right? Like he does, he won't come out of banner because he fears Thanos and it's not, it's implied more than it's said, but, um, you get that impression like he doesn't want to he he saw the dude and he's like i'm not dealing with that shit anymore so i liked and i wish some of the characters had more of that right like i, I wish cap had a little bit more of that because it was really just he kind of came out of nowhere and he's just kind of like yeah we got to do this thing let's 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 get the crew together i know some Peter had big old applause when cap showed up and there was like and because i think people were excited to see him but I don't think like, and then like, so that happened in my theater too. Like when he first comes out of the shadows, everyone's like, yeah. And then later there's another scene where you can, you can tell in the movie, they thought there's going to be an applause break. And there wasn't in my theater. Maybe there was in yours. It's when Black Panther, and it, maybe it's because it was in the trailers, right? It's when Black Panther says like, and get this man a shield. Like they go on Chris Evans face for a good second. And then he goes, mm-hmm. And like you can tell, like they thought everyone's gonna be like, "Fuck yeah, I got that!" And and my 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 theater was dead silent. I don't know how it was in yours. That Mine was pretty hyped on it. Nothing. Okay. Uh, I saw it uh, opening night in Oakland. So uh, the most, the that was probably the third most hype moment. They reacted to the Get Him Shield. Most hype moment is when we went to Wakanda at all. Um, yeah, and, me too. Uh, that was in the my theater too. In the not hype Wakanda moment, but the gasp where all the air came out of the theater was when Thanos stabbed Tony. It was dead silent, and you could hear one guy in the back like screaming out, "Like no, not Tony! No, no!" Like one guy was distraught because he thought that's when Tony was going to go. Sure. Um, shit. Uh, I'll say for mine real quick. It's not that we didn't get enough because we got just. It's just me being greedy. But for me, the the action sequence where in my head I'm like, "Holy shit, let's go!" Is when Doctor Strange does the several arms. And then he splits into the multiple. Like, and yeah. he has his battle with Thanos. It just made me remember Doctor Strange. Like, those acid trip visuals of Doctor Strange are some of the most artistic, like, cinematography and filming in the Marvel Universe. I, seeing Doctor Strange go full Sorcerer Supreme is such visual splendor and eye candy to me. I just wanted more of it when he was battling with the mirror dimension. And then, you know, it's like, is uh, when Thanos throws that space black hole back at him and then Strange counters it and turns it into butterflies. And it's like, 
oh, that like, because Doctor Strange versus Thanos in the comics, that's one of, that's two mega titans battling each other in terms of power levels. So being that Doctor Strange is one of the ones who faded out of obliteration, I just would have wanted more of that because that's like seeing them, like the, you know, Captain America is a very grounded hero, right? Falcon, Black Widow, these are very grounded heroes. Doctor Strange goes into that big time mystic stuff. So I just want more of that visual splendor, but I'm sure we'll get other variations on it with other heroes. All right, guys. I think we're good oh, for now. Keep talking, but already, uh, too long. I know. You know what? This thing, this thing, Mike's going to be back next week, and Mike's going to have thoughts. So we're going to be talking about this all over again, about, I think. We didn't get into um, the Black Order, but next week. Yeah. Part two. Um, we'll continue. So um, we'll be back next week, kids. Uh, we're going to preview UFC 224. They're still about UFC's got a couple weeks to put one of these girls on the Ellen show, as Mark and I really just keep pushing He's for. For the love of God. We're still booking. We're still booking. Or Cohen, or any, any show. Find a way. Um, and um, gives you a lot of time, folks, to look into the fact that Jacare's getting hair plugs. And that in itself probably deserves its own discussion. Um, thank you all for listening. This is a long fucking episode. For no shit, man. I mean, if it, if you didn't if you if you didn't see Avengers, it wasn't that long. It shit ended about forty minutes ago for you. You thought it was a nice, nice tight hour six, you know, hour four. Um, just real quick, um, the Showtime announced they made a short, they made a documentary or a short, I guess, a short film about Moro oh, Ranallo. Cool. About it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and they made one about Moro Ranallo called the Bipolar Rock and Roller. And I love Moro Ranallo. I think he's great at what he does. And um, I'm going to definitely yeah. check it out. So check that out. Um, as I mentioned, back next week. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. And uh, peace out. Later. Later.